Happy New Year, Chief and Gang. Welcome to 2023. We're jumping right into this podcast uh, by picking up where we left off last time. Last time I left off with the 12 IPs of church planning, which was a quarter century worth of observations. Uh, perhaps forcefully or not so forcefully jammed into the uh, structure of, of naming each point with the letters starting with I and P. Today we're going to continue that tradition into 2023 by talking about four APs. Uh, one AP that is wrong and three APs which I believe are correct. And really this uh, podcast has come out of observing... Uh, what I believe a lot of pastors and a lot of modern worship has been doing over the last several years, namely materializing spiritual promises. So we have scripture which puts forth concepts that are largely attached to the immaterial, our souls, spirituality, eternity, heaven, and we don't like the sort of uncomfortable unknown that that creates. And so I think we have a proclivity to try to materialize those things. And I've talked about it before, the sentiment that you see with Simon the Magician in Acts, where he sees the mysterious power of God at work through the apostles' lives in healing people and whatnot. And he wants to purchase that power so that he can then materialize it, convert it into cash, convert it into fame, convert it into notoriety. And the apostles rebuke him um, for trying to do that. And sadly, as I've stated before, I think that Largely and too frequently, uh, we see that impulse in the church in America today where we want to take spiritual, immaterial, eternal promises and we want to apply them to the here and now. We want to make them temporal. And I think it gets us into more trouble than we think it actually solves. So the wrong AP is simply falling into the category of ambiguous promise. And you go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, when you listen to, for instance, the worship song that says, by faith, I see a miracle. I know my breakthrough is coming. You see the sentiment of this being put into song and worship form to where we're looking for a miracle in the temporal life. We're looking for a breakthrough in the temporal life. And pastors who lean towards the prosperity gospel, um, and I really think that's what the prosperity gospel is, is it, is it simply taking the unsearchable riches of Christ and trying to manifest them in the material world. Um, it's taking of the richness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It's taking of the richness of the new man, the new creation, that instead of loving the world, now loves God. Instead of loving self, now loves others and is attempting to make it manifest 
in a physical, tangible, observable way that we can touch and and feel and experience the immediate results of. So this breakthrough that's coming is often attached to a job promotion or a relationship coming your way or your boss finally seeing things your way or innumerable other iterations of this thing. And I, if I were to sum up what I believe the most common message getting preached in the church in America today is it's the ambiguous promise. And pastors are able to get away with this because it is ambiguous. They're, they're, not, they're not explicitly stating, yo, you're going to get a Lambo. Yo, God's going to send you a hot chick. Yo, God's going to send you the perfect masculine, manly, six-pack shredded husband. Yo, God's going to send you the job promotion or he's going to bankroll you six figures or seven figures. They're not explicitly stating that. Some of them are, but most of them are camping out in this ambiguous space so that our imaginations can fill in the blanks of whatever we want that promise to be. And so it's, I don't want to say that it's, it's deceptively misleading on their part. Um, it's probably shrewd on their part because they're allowing a sufficient and ample room for the imaginations of their hearers to fill in the details of what those hearers want the promise to look like. And you say, well, that's all fine and dandy. Um, what's wrong with letting people's imaginations fill in the blanks and fill in the spaces of what they need? Isn't God concerned with the individual and isn't God concerned with the individual desires of our hearts? And doesn't Jeremiah say that I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope? So we take these these individual scriptures and we go, okay, we justify this ambiguous promise. I submit to you that the problem with the ambiguous promise is that it is devoid of actual scripture. <laughs> and you go, what do you mean? Well, it gets us right into the three correct APs. And Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, the whole setup of the Bible, the whole setup of redemptive history is not to bait and dangle a carrot in front of us. It's not to give us this mystical, foggy, cloudy, opaque hope or promise that we can then just kind of fill in whatever we want it to be. No, the promise and message of redemptive history as found in scripture has some very precise elements to it. So the first AP that is counter to this ambiguous promise is an actual person. And that actual person is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christo, Emmanuel, God with us. And that actual person has been promised to us as early as the book of Genesis, when God says that the woman's seed will crush the serpent's head. And that actual 
person is prophesied throughout the Old Testament. And that actual person becomes very real in our physical world in the historic person of Jesus Christ. And you go, well, okay, well, we kind of already know that. What's the point? Well, the point is that we're being squishy on that. The point is, yeah, we might kind of know that in the back of our heads, but we are not making it the point. Scripture makes Christ the point, yet the preaching of an ambiguous promise kind of pushes the actual person of Christ to the margins. And it makes our own filling in of those ambiguous spaces more important than the person of Christ. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, he's our savior. Paul says to Timothy that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Christ is a high priest who sympathizes with us because he was tempted in all ways as we were yet without sin. He also says that Christ who knew no sin became sin for us. So the actual person of Christ is incredibly important, not just incredibly important, but paramount, integral. Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. You can't push the chief cornerstone to the margins and expect the imaginations of men to fill in the ambiguous promise that is being proclaimed through modern American worship and through modern American evangelicalism. And this seems to be getting worse and worse with the rise and continued advancement of Instagram preachers and YouTube preachers and just youthfulness in general. These young, ambitious entrepreneurial types see that they can gain a quick following and earn a quick and massive buck by catering to the worldly imaginations of people who want more, who naturally want more of the world, who naturally want leisure, who naturally want excess, who naturally want recognition, who naturally want notoriety. So we really need to be aware of this when we sing songs and when we listen to messages being preached. The ambiguous promise does not satisfy because the primary promise of Scripture is the actual person of Christ. Coffee break. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Hebrews, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. The old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow faintly dim. So when Christ, the actual person, becomes the centerpiece of our soul's attention and affection, becomes the focal point of our mind's eye and our heart, the ambiguous promise not only just kind of fades away, but it, it becomes irrelevant because the ambiguous promise does not hold 
any soul value comparison to the actual person of Jesus Christ. So that's the first correct AP. We must get rid of this ambiguous promise and replace it with the actual person of Christ, who secondly promised to give us an active presence. You go, what are you talking about? Well, John 14, John 16, and elsewhere, Christ talks about how he will send us a helper, send us a comforter, the Holy Spirit. Paul asks the rhetorical question to the Corinthians, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He says that as food is for the stomach, so the body is for the Lord. We have this very prevalent idea permeating scripture that the redeemed, those who have put their faith in Christ, those who have trusted the actual person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, now have an active presence. You see this through the word of God in Hebrews when it says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword cutting uh, to the bone and marrow. Uh, Hebrews says the blood of Christ which cleanses our conscience. You have this concept in Philippians that it is God who works in us both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So I'm hoping that you're seeing that as we move away from the ambiguous promise which attempts to materialize spiritual realities, this is becoming, and it's, it's getting more and more personalized. You have an actual person in the historic Christ, the crucified and resurrected and glorified Christ, who then promised to give us an active presence, and this active presence is with us in perpetuity. He is, the Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The Spirit guides and directs and comforts and convicts. It's constant, day to day. God's mercies are new every morning. And so these things, they don't materialize in the form of a Lamborghini. They don't materialize. It's not like you, it's not like the Holy Spirit's the Aladdin genie and you snap your fingers and this Holy Spirit comes out of a gold vase or whatever that thing's called and uh, bottle genie genie in the bottle comes out and, and you snap your fingers and you say I want this uh, spirituality to materialize in these physical ways no the Holy Spirit is with us to strengthen us in the inner man the Holy Spirit is with us to cause us to love the world less and love God and our neighbor more. So, as these things, as we, as we replace this ambiguous promise with the actual person of Christ and the active presence of the Holy Spirit, it begins to get not only more personal, but it also begins to get more proactive in the sense that you can see why Paul the Apostle said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I've learned to be content when things are abundant, and I've learned to be content 
in the midst of incredible lack. Because the shifting sands of material possessions are not impacted. They, they do not impact the actual person and active presence of the Holy Spirit because those things are abiding. John, the Apostle John talks about, records Christ as saying, abide in me and I will abide in you. This concept of continuous abiding that though the rain and the storms come, those who build their house on the rock, i.e. Christ, the chief cornerstone, their house will still will still remain. It will not be washed away. Um, unlike those who, who build their hopes on the ambiguous promise of materialism, or I should say the ambiguous promise of hoping to convert spiritual promises in, into tangible material anchors. The third thing, uh, the third AP, is not only did the actual person of Christ promise to send us the active presence of the Holy Spirit, this same Christ then ascended to heaven to prepare for us an awesome place. And you go, oh, that's such a cop-out. You're just trying to put heaven as the opium of the masses. You're just trying to put the concept of eternity into people's hearts and minds so that they'll tolerate abuse and so that they'll underachieve in this life. Not at all. We look to heaven as our ultimate home. Paul the Apostle says that we are not citizens of this earth. Our ultimate citizenship lies in heaven. He talks about those who fall asleep. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. The new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth. This whole idea of a restored earth and a brand new heaven. A new heaven and a new earth. Where we, where the lion lies down with the lamb. Where there's no more tears, there's no more sin, there's no more heartbreak. This is historically essential and incredibly vital to the hope of the Christian. So it's not a cop-out. It's not a lazy man's numbing of the pain in this life. It's a promise that an actual person Christ made, who sent us an active presence in the Holy Spirit, for himself to go and prepare an awesome place for us. That when we die, yes, you are going to die. Yes, you are finite. Yes, every human being has to pass through that final curtain of drawing your last breath and entering into eternity. The Bible says he has gone to prepare an awesome place for us. And you say, well, he doesn't say awesome. He just says, I go to prepare a place. Well, that place has the Full, fullness of God has the full presence of God. It's, it's lacking sin. It's lacking death. It's lacking tears. It's la lacking heartache. The lamb and the lion lie down together. It's peaceful. And it's infinite. 
And, that, and that's where people, I think, you know, we have this tendency to go, oh, heaven sounds boring because it goes on forever and ever and ever. And we're viewing it as finite people uh, crashing into an infinite timeline, like a never-ending linear timeline. But I think when you ponder the concept that heaven is filled with the infiniteness of God kind of changes the dynamic. We're not dealing with a static two-dimensional timeline. You're dealing with this concept of an infinite God, infinite love, infinite goodness, infinite mercy, infinite all of his attributes. Yeah, so I think I think if we I think we would be well served in 2023 to focus on these three correct APs. And you go, how do you know they're correct? They're, I'm just pulling them out of the Bible. I'm, I'm pulling them out of the Bible. The actual person of Christ, as I said, is spoken about from cover to cover. The active presence of the Holy Spirit is seen over and over again throughout Scripture. And Christ himself is recorded as saying that he's going to prepare a place for us. So as we go into the new year, don't set your hopes on an ambiguous promise because the circumstances of life are like the ocean. Uh, sometimes they're still, sometimes they're choppy, sometimes they're completely out of control and unmanageable. But in the midst of those turbulent and unpredictable seas, that we will experience in this life, we have three very solid P's to rely on. Person, presence, place. We can rely on and trust in the person. We can rely on and trust in and be, and be empowered by the presence and we can hope for and long for the place. So as we, as we move into the new year, set your mind and heart on cultivating not only the awareness of Christ and the Spirit and, and the place that is to come, but also seek to cultivate a deeper love for the person of Christ, a deeper love for the Spirit abiding in you, a deeper love and anticipation of the place which is to come. And if you do that, I think pretty certain that your soul is going to flourish. I can't make any promises about the material circumstantial events that will come your way in 2023. But I can say with certainty that your soul will likely be the most robust it's ever been. So that's it for the first Chief End episode of 2023. Ponder these things. Uh, share it with people who you think might benefit from us from it. But uh, let's avoid the deceptively insidious temptation to materialize spiritual wealth into 
in an attempt to convert it into material trinkets. Have a good one, and we will see you on the next one. Bye.